Welcome back to the Fear and Beer Podcast, where we discuss all things Halloween Horror Nights, horror movies, and just a little bit of beer. I'm Nick. And I'm Seamus. Like scary movies. Uh Uh-huh. Here's Johnny. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. You miss me. Aren't you drinking? I never drink. Why? Before we get into tonight's episode, we want to remind all of those listening on Apple Podcasts to drop us a five-star review. It helps us grow as a podcast and build our audience. If you're listening on Spotify or any other platform, follow us, and don't forget to share with friends and family who might have a little bit of the strange in them as well. And while you're on those socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, be sure to find us, Fear and Beer Pod. Give us a like, share, and you can always message us. We love to interact with all you guys. All right, four weeks left until HHN. Four weeks? One month away. We're almost there. We are very close. And we are, again, um, the first of the month, first episode of the month. We're going to do jump back into our killer reviews. We haven't done these in a little bit. So tonight, obviously, we're going to be hitting the black phone, another part of that Blumhouse horrors um, maze that they're going to – well, not maze. I can't say maze. Or, well, house. You, yeah, you were just talking about yeah. – <laughs> Their house. That's house. Um, it's probably one of those, like – can't say maze because it's like <laughs> protected word or something like that from some other event but um the horrors of blumhouse the horrors of blumhouse so we did freaky a couple months ago we did um, freaky. we're gonna jump into the black phone tonight so we can kind of go into that part and then um we'll kind of talk about what we think this will work as the maze again oh, i said it again jesus christ <laughs> the house i got uh, you talking about another another place no no place. no so now you're like oh crap it's it's, it's the word of the day um We'll, we'll kind of go into it and see how these different scenes from the movie could play into the possible um, bringing into the house. Uh, we know that this house is going to be split between the two, so it's not going to be a full-on house. So I'm curious to see what uh, parts of this get adapted um, into the house. So we're going to go through that scene by scene. Uh, two big announcements. I know I teased it earlier. Uh, one has already been out there. Uh, we are now a part of uh, Dark Universe. It's like a horror network. They promote different... If you're looking for any horror movie news related stuff like that podcasts and stuff like that you can head over to there we're part of their team now um so be sure to check out dark universe pretty cool uh, little group of collections of people just like us into the horror and stuff like that we are the only horror nights podcast that is put out through um onto, onto their site and stuff like that so pretty cool stuff and then the other big news we're going to drop at the end for you, so you got to listen to the whole episode. <laughs> oh, you did him like that. Evil, evil, but it you is... You did him like that. Very, very exciting stuff. Slightly nerve-wracking. we got a lot of work to do, that's for sure, but... Um, I mean, to be fair, it I is, think you're it, all going to love it. It is your idea. It is so. my so crazy you're putting idea. you yourself. It is my crazy, ridiculous idea that if it pans out correctly, which somehow it, it has been panning out... Uh, for us so far so this one is going to be another uh another test of that but um yeah we're going black phone tonight so let's jump into some beer before we get into that we got a couple different types um we did not <laughs> really tie these in i'm no, sure we're getting- oh well this one kind of ties in so this is terrapin the hopsecutioner um from athens georgia i mean kind of the guy the little turtle's wearing a mask yeah, i mean he's wearing a, a little a black mask yeah, and I get Voodoo Ranger, which we've had before on the podcast, I think. Definitely had New Belgium before. It's just, you know, everybody knows the little skeleton guy in New, on, on Voodoo Ranger. I, at least I think you, you probably do. You should. Um, one of those, like, widely distributed uh, craft beers. But, 
I don't know, his, ma- his, his face kind of looks like the mask a little bit. In the movie. He's got something. We got something. Well, we got some beers. But we're getting pretty bad at the whole, like, matching beers up to the episode. This whole, but this whole we didn't last month of HHN gonna is going to be is, is rough, just trying to scramble to find stuff, having time to, to go over and grab new stuff every day, every couple of weeks or so. But I swear we will get onto a streak at some point once we get going into the season. But, you know, these aren't aren't crazy crazy beers i don't think we really have to go in depth as to what styles and what well, tastes also, and stuff these are pretty mainstream beers this is an ipa i expect it to be just a general ipa i don't i'm not expecting anything crazy these aren't i mean i don't see the independent brew i think these are, are, are more i mean it is it's a, so it's a small are, terrapin so is a smaller craft, but, like macro like small brewery type type deal they're obviously bigger than other like micro brews but I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they have the symbol on it that like denotes that the they're independent, uh, independent yeah. anymore. But I don't know. It's good stuff. I mean, for it smells like an IPA for, for for what we call a shelfie. Mm-hmm. Um, they're good shelfies. So if you're looking for like something quick and easy, but you don't want the typical macro light beer, yeah, find something like this. Voodoo Ranger from New Belgium. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Hopsecution or something from Terrapin's really good. So, and they, I think, I believe they're distributing those everywhere too. You can, Thanks. I can find. You can generally find these in a lot of. Yeah. I, I feel like I, I see Terrapin like, a lot of Publix. For a while, like in the north, northeast, didn't get as much of that, but I think they've started distributing a little bit more. So we should yep. be. So you should be able to find it. So right. Check them out. Um, we have talked about Blackphone in the past, so so those that might get confused. Yeah, we did a couple is... episodes ago. We did talk about it a little bit. When I think when they, when announced, they announced the house, the house, we didn't really go too much in depth in the movie. We kind of gave our thoughts on it, but we're gonna break the movie down. Obviously, most of you have probably seen it already. If you haven't, this is spoilers. Again, spoiler warning: we're not we don't hold back. <laughs> we're if talking. You listen to Fear and Beer. You know we don't hold back on spoilers. Yep. Um, we've both seen this movie. I, I obviously brought the inspiration to it so we can talk about that a little bit as well um so we'll just kind of break it down give you some facts i'm sure he's got plenty of factoids i got some i got a little bit a couple things here in my brain but um honestly the last time i saw this was in the theaters a couple weeks ago so or three weeks ago so movie's not quite hazy but it's getting there so i'm glad we're doing this now and, and not waiting um so let's fire this up behind us uh also if you're just noticing seamus did have a a growth spurt yeah i'm a little bit taller I finally hit my growth spurt. At some point, we will get chairs yeah. that actually you'll, fit. You'll see how tall I am. But we did get a table, so you can see you can see we're taking taking steps in the well, right I guess, direction. I guess we, we probably should get a shout out. Shout out Bert from uh, Art of Party. Uh, Art of Party. Yeah. Uh, he found us on Facebook, so shout out Bert. All right, so let's get into this. So the Black Phone, new movie, 2021 horror thriller. Uh, this was directed by Scott Derrickson, who you should probably remember from the first Doctor Strange, Sinister, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. This was written by Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill, who they both worked together previously on Sinister. Yep. Um, and this is based, again, on the short story written by Joe Hill, who is the son of Stephen, Stephen King. King. Yep. I don't know if he's the oldest son. Yeah, I think he is. I think Owen is his youngest. Mm-hmm. But either way, yes, he is uh, <laughs> Joseph Hillstrom. King is his full name, but he goes by Joe Hill as his pen name, which for obvious reasons. Yeah, yes, you don't it's wanna... definitely it's based off of the short story. It's not one of those deals where he came in, kind of like his dad does in a lot of stuff, or did at least at one point and wrote a lot of the screenplay for the movie. Um, this is based off the short story, but like we said in the other episode, or like I said in the other episode, um, they are still quite different between the short story and the movie. 
judging from the fact that the short story is like 20 pages long, this movie's an hour and 40 minutes, so mm-hmm. they had to stretch it a little bit to make it work. <laughs> so it's definitely um, its own property for sure. Yep. Um, this was made, it has 16 or $18 million budget uh, and end up right now in the box office $143.7 million. Pretty profitable. Good turnaround. So Good this was... Return. Originally shown, I think previews of it at least at uh, San Diego Comic Con a couple years ago, um, they did do a small release and based off of what the audience was saying, they thought that it merited a uh, full theatrical release. So they did push the date a little bit so that way they could put it into more theaters and I think they made the uh, the right call on that. Um, so this is starring uh, Mason Thames as Finney. Um, I tried to look up his IMDb. He's young. He obviously hasn't Doesn't been in a, a lot. Complete one. No. Um, we have who I think is the absolute like showstopper in this thing, and that is Madeline McGraw as yes. Gwen. Yeah, Gwen was great. She that little that little girl can act her ass. She off. takes this thing. I'm sure she is. We obviously know the one scene. We'll get to it as we go through the movie. Yeah. That I my, think she it's might. Probably my favorite scene. Yeah, it, it's. She got two of them, or three of them actually. She's got a few of them. Um, we'll get to them, but yeah, she she was great. And then I'm sure you're gonna get to them, so I'll let you go. But um, and then one of the, how about, at least one other person that I'm like. Yeah. Super uh, high before on. we get to him though, but I did I did read that Madeline McGraw. Um, she, they signed her on, but they had she was working on another project at the time. Um, so they ended up school pushing, project? yeah, probably, high school project? probably, uh, <laughs> they ended up pushing the entire production just so that she could continue into this movie. Oh, good. Um, and well, this, I mean, I, it was, it was a smart idea. Yeah. A smart move. Um, I don't know if they could have found anybody else that would have played the role as good as she did. No, no chance. So. Um, and then also this movie was going to take a little bit of a time to come too, because at the time Scott Derrickson was attached for, uh, Doctor Strange 2, Correct. Multiverse of Madness, but because of creative differences, he left the project. Um, he stayed on, obviously, as a um, executive producer, but then he was able to jump right into this project, so we got it a little bit earlier than we were um, anticipating. Um, and then lastly, I had for my cast list, I, I kept it small, but that's Ethan Hawke as the grabber, who um, at first didn't want to take this role, because uh, he didn't, <laughs> I guess he said he didn't want to be known as a villain, but then he realized he was 50, and like he's already so known for left. so much stuff and he's like you know what it's not too bad being known and then he ended up taking this which is funny too because then he ended up being the villain from moon knight um so he's just been banging out two bad badass villain roles in the last year or so um i do want to mention at least one more person um and yeah i think i know who you mean uh so you're talking about max no the the father oh um, yeah i didn't so, get his name so the only reason i want to bring him up because he it took me a minute to realize who he was, um, and I think he was, to use the parlance of the young of the young kids these days, low key one of the better actors in this movie, um, one of the better roles. He played um, a giant piece of shit. Yeah, he played a giant piece of Very shit. Very well, um, but it was convincing and it was um, it felt real and really yeah, raw. And we'll get to the authentic. scenes that he was in that make it that make me say that. But his, his name's Jeremy Davies. Um, I didn't recognize who he was until I went home, looked him up, and he's. Corporal Upham from Saving Private Ryan. Oh, okay. Um, which, yep. if you remember from that movie, he is the dude that let his his buddy get stabbed in the heart because mm. he's a baby. He was a baby. Corporal Upham, we're still mad at you. Even <laughs> you failed years us. On, you you fa- failed us. You failed your squad. Um, but no, I'm kidding. Uh, but Jeremy Davies playing the father. I, I don't know if they gave him a name. If it's just dad, like just the character's dad. I forget if they gave him a first name I, or not. All, but, yeah, all they referred to was like daddy or father. Yeah, or whatever. so I, I just think the three of them in the scenes they were together were just top notch and completely unexpected for yeah. me anyways. So I rough kind of dynamic. expected a Stranger Things type like kids with like the main 
the main go here. Like yeah. it was about the kids and the bad guy. Um, but I think the other adult characters really kind of brought more to the story. Yeah, oh, they did. So, quick little. Um, synopsis of this movie if you haven't heard about it um, after being abducted by a child killer and locked in a soundproof basement a 13 year old boy starts receiving calls on a disconnected phone from the killer's previous victims um, Ghosts. one thing I did notice right when this movie kicked off the Blumhouse Pictures logo debuted um, and it's a, it was a new it was their first time using their new like logo or whatever, and it was kind of that. like a, a zoom through multiple film references. We saw oh, uh, Marvel on us, Michael huh? Myers outside. You saw the, a girl with a purge mask. Oh, um, I think yeah. Well, I remember that. I remember that now. That, that's, that's the first time. They that's used the first that. time they used that one. Because okay. so, like I think wasn't the original one was like it was like the chair like in the chair cl- in the corner of the room, and then there was like a kid yeah. standing against the wall that was kind of sinisterish. But um, we'll get into that. So we start off the movie North Denver, nineteen seventy eight. And we start out by meeting our mate and protagonist, Finney, playing baseball as the pitcher. Uh, he goes up on a quick 0-2 on the strike count, and when the in a quick glance to one of the girls from his class, um, he puts one down the middle, and a character that we'll now learn as Bruce uh, takes him fucking yabo and hits a home <laughs> run and, and beats the team. So we, we see right from the get-go that you know Finn is just kind of like, I don't want to say a loser, but like he's, he's not the kid hitting the home run. No, I, but I think what's what's cool is it does kind of like immediately twist on its on its on its head a little bit. Again, it yep. initially gives you that whole like, oh, Bruce is the the the, the jock, jock yeah. who's gonna treat him like crap. Yeah. Um, but it kind of twists that quickly on its head, like almost immediately. Yeah. He walks up to him, he's like, "Hey, man, like yeah. through heat or I forget what he says." Exactly, uh, he says so. They they're meeting in the little handshake, yeah, line, the handshake and, line, and he tells him that his arm is mint. Arm is mint. Yeah. So, um, so and that will come back to play in a little bit. Yeah. So that's kind of foreshadowing, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it's also kind of cool where it's like, oh, so he's not a dickhead. He's yeah. just, you know. He's just good. Athlete. <laughs> he's yeah, just athletes, good. Man. But uh, yeah, um, that was, yep. Yeah, so then we get hit with Free Ride by Edgar Winter. Classic. Right. Yes. Classic for the late 70s. Great soundtrack, too. Yeah, the soundtrack definitely nailed the late 70s. Um, but yeah, Bruce is riding around town with his bike, waving to girls, and we see all of a sudden a black van come around a corner, and it, and it, it starts to slowly fade, and then it cuts mm-hmm. to the opening credits. Um, and there, it's it's like an overlaid, um, and it, it's an overlay of like the town and what's been going on, and and not too, too in depth, but it's giving you like there's blood, there's missing children posters, um, and it has that sinister vibe, which obviously makes sense yeah, with it being movie, Scott Derrickson. It has like that. Has a sinister vibe. It's 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 like actual. It's film real mm-hmm. is the way that the edit looks. Um, so it kind of gives you a little, catches you up to speed. The whole movie type thing. Yeah. Um, so now we're back at Finn's house and we see how awesome his dirtbag father is. Uh, yes. Finn's just trying to drink some cereal or eat some cereal. And the dad just looks, he's just like, could you slurp that any louder? I don't, I don't think they could hear you any over in Boulder or whatever, yeah. so, whatever he said. So I will say this. I think that the first scene we were introduced to the family um, I thought that maybe I was like, all right, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to make it like super stereotypical. Yeah. Like, you know, dad's going to be just a drunk asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, so this first scene I wasn't as blown away by. Yeah. But as, Saw the movie, it coming. as the movie progresses, it does get better, at least for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we meet the dad for the first time. Yeah. Who wasn't um, at the baseball game. Wasn't at the baseball game, which they didn't really play on at all. They didn't, no. They didn't really make a big deal about that because they could have been like, oh, look, he's looking for his dad and his dad's yeah, not he wasn't, there. Yeah, he I think just, he's... He was just looking at the hot girl. Yeah, cool. at this point, I think he's used to his dad not being there. Let me rephrase that. 
He's looking for the girl he's he has a crush on in yeah. school. Sorry, his I know that high future school, lab partner. Old, but, you know, um, as a high school, <laughs> that was what he was idolizing. Was probably who he was. <laughs> Idol, yeah. yeah, crushing on. Um, so we're then formally introduced to the sister Gwen, um, who yes. accidentally slams the toaster, and their dad obviously slams the newspaper down. She gives the whole, "Oh, I'm so sorry, Dad." Oh, they they know the this is a common occurrence for them. They know they know how to react when Dad's being hungover, nursing a hangover. Yeah, been, everyone's been there. Um, so now Finn and Gwen are kind of walking to school, and they see uh, a note, and they make note that there's a new poster up. Um, Gwen says that they think that she thinks that they'll find them, but just not the way they want to find them, which is kind of dark and ominous for yeah. like the younger sister to say. And Finn kind of seemed off put by this comment. And, and as they walk past, we see a poster um, and the, on the poster is Bruce, the kid that had just hit that home run. So Finn, obviously, whether he knew him or not, he knew of the kid. I don't know if they were friends or not, but, you know, he knew the kid. We are now uh, introduced on the walk. Who I put in my notes, uh, the best character who has to has to put up a fight with Gwen because Gwen steals the show. But this kid is a is a badass, um, and that's Robin. Yeah. So Robin's got the whole like Karate Kid aesthetic going. He's yeah. got like the bandana, the like little seventies like flared out jeans or whatever. He's got the cutoffs, um, and then there's this little dickhead kid, Moose. That clearly has been picking on him. He's, you know, the the alpha male, the bigger kid, obviously picking on the kids. He says something about him being um, a, a beaner. And then he says, like, you know, say that to my face. Come on up. Um, and then finally Moose goes at him. Robin kind of sideswipes him. They tussle, whatever. There's a whole crowd of kids watching them. Finn's watching. Um, and then Robin ends up getting on top and just beating the shit out of this kid. Just <laughs> relentlessly smashing this kid in the face until he's just blood everywhere um and even when he gets to the point of where he should stop he does not stop i don't know how this moose kid is alive because that kid like yeah, he like railed you brack, railed on him. if you break your nose and like those parts go into your brain like robin could have killed this kid um but finn pulls him away pulls um gwen away to continue walking to school because he didn't want to see that uh the sister gwen who was just like oh you don't want to see that that's awesome like that kid's an asshole he deserved it like remember last year he beat you up and he's just like i know but i just Nobody deserves that because he was getting his shit rocked. Um, well, you shouldn't be a racist little shit. Yeah, you right. Wouldn't get punched in the nose. You little fat fuck. I mean, that's sorry, Moose, but don't you had be a coming. fucking little dickhead. Wouldn't happen. Um, Plus, you know, you always underestimate the squirrely little guy. Yeah, right. Until he beats the hell out of you. Yeah. Um, they keep walking. They're talking now about uh, what the town or the kids have been calling the grabber, um, but Finn doesn't want to say his name. Almost like. Beetlejuice, like you say it three yeah, times, and the crabber shows up. Like, yeah, but he was upset by it. Um, so we're now into school, and then there's more bullies, more school bullies. This whole Why town not? is full of bullies. Um, Isn't every town full of bullies? I guess, but man, these kids are the kids that should be bullied. Oh yeah, I mean the three that bully that they, they picked are like Finn are like what the they hell? seem like they're yeah. the they're, they're like the middle tier of bullies like they're not the top yeah, well, bully they're the kids, but they're like yeah, they're the, they're the kids that like get bullied but they have to find someone smaller and we it's a bully yeah, yeah so, so like, they can feel better about themselves it's like Finn is here those bullies are here and like right. Robin's up here and Moose is over here somewhere like um, but they follow him into the bathroom you know he tries to hide in the stall and they, they you know and they end up pulling him not pulling him up but they're calling out to him they're like. Oh, you didn't see the sign? This is the boys' room. What are you doing in here? Uh -huh. oh, so fucking funny. It's hilarious. Um, but just at that point where they kind of start to move in on him, 
Robin comes in. Yep. Good old fucking Robin walks, you know, walks right to them, pushes like through them, goes right over to the sink to start washing his bloody hands off, um, and without even like, you know, just says, you know, hey, what's up, Finn? You know, clearly they're they're friends. Um, and he's like, man, you know, uh, Moose has some sharp teeth. My knuckles have been bleeding all day. And then he kind of, you know, looks over to the other kids. He's asking, you know, Finn. He's like, everything good? Um, and as the the bullies, those other bullies start to move out, and he's like, wait a second, you fuck with him, and then I'll fuck with you. And then he tells him, okay, now you can go. And I was like, oh, Robin is like the man. He's like yeah, a Robin's UFC fighter guy, like that stands up for bullies in like this little twelve year old kid. He's just embodied by it. Yeah. Um, but then he does tell once the, they're gone, he does tell Finn that someday he's gonna have to stand up for himself. Um, at some point. Um. You know, he told he said Robin made a little comment too that I thought was funny. He's just like, um, you know, he was just gonna push him around and kind of ruffle uh, Moose up a little bit, but then there was a there was a crowd there, and you know, in that situation, you got to draw blood to make your point. <laughs> and he's like, you know, I just had to do it for the crowd. Um, but you know, they talk a little bit about how Robin just saw a Texas Chainsaw Massacre with his uncle, so this kid is like, he'd be on this podcast if he yeah, was real. Yeah, he would. Be, he'd be listening to here. <laughs> um. We do find out that uh, Finn tutors Robin in math. He can't get another F, yada, yada. But they do have a, a prior connection, not just Robin being a good guy and sticking up for a random kid being bullied. They are friends. Um, now we are coming up to Excuse me. might be my favorite scene. Um, it's Gwen. She gets pulled into the principal's oh, office. Oh, sleep with the cops? Yep, yeah. and there's two police officers where. There. This is where she was like, she shines. Oh, this is... So good. She asks... Um, or the, the police ask her if she was friends with Amy Yamada, who is Bruce's sister. She says, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it comes to find out that apparently Gwen had told Amy she had a dream about her brother who was taken. Um, there was a man who had black balloons in a van that took him. And this is where the police kind of found interest. Um, they revealed that that information has never been released. So either they have a leak in their facilities and then this is where gwen kind of chimes in or what i'm the grabber <laughs> yeah. and then with the the line is you know they, they go back and forth about how like these kids that have been taken are much bigger than her like how how could they even think this but the line and she goes yeah i guess i'm the grabber you dumb fucking fart knockers <laughs> <laughs> this is where the principal is like gwen stop she's like yeah 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 i get it but Scott Derrickson either has either has kids or a nephew or a niece, yeah. and they gave them they gave they gave him that line. Oh, I love 100%. it. But the way she just like goes about it so unapologetically, like it's so great. It to great, them, yeah. it's just she nails the delivery perfect. Um, but it does. She did kind of calm down and, and say that you know sometimes she has dreams and sometimes those dreams are right. So, so now it's kind of is is kind of giving. A way that she's definitely got something supernatural about her. Yeah. Um, Which isn't part of the book, is it? Or you can you can chime so, in on that part. I mean, we haven't really talked about the the short story, so it it is it is referenced, but it is so loosely referenced that um, it's almost it, it's hard. You might miss it if you're not looking for it. I guess like there is like a couple paragraphs in it um, that kind of talk about how his sister ends up on the street of the house that he's on and she mm -hmm. doesn't know how she ended up on the street so it it, it kind of goes into it a little bit but it's mm -hmm. not 
not anything that's dwell, dwelled on by any means. Yeah. Um, but you can tell that because, again, like you said before, they had to drag out this is a one, an hour and 40 minute movie. Yeah. They played up that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, kind of gave it more life in the movie, which I think is they repurposed it to yeah. fit into the. But they didn't do it in a bad way. Like I think it. I think it. It's fine. Like I. I think if they had done it, if they had done it any more, if they had gone into it way too much, I would have been like, all right, you're explaining too much. It's better that it's just something that happens to her. Yeah. Like she just happens to have dreams and she can see things ahead, and I was fine with the whole mother thing too. And we'll yeah. get to some of that, I'm sure, but. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of fine with how they did it, but yeah, yeah. the George story doesn't have it quite as much as the yeah. movie does. Um, so school's over, and Gwen and Finn are walking home. Uh, Gwen says that she's going to stay at Susie's because it's Friday. Um, so obviously that means Dad's going to be super oh, drunk. He's going to be s- sauced. Super drunk. So she tells him that you know, take care of Dad or whatever. She'll be back in the morning. So we go home. Obviously Dad's passed out. Finn grabs some ice cream and watches a horror movie alone. And while he's doing that, he clutches his little... He's got, like, a little rocket pen that has a light on it. Which is Um, also kind of foreshadowing. A little foreshadowing that's almost like a a comfort item for him. If he was on Survivor, you know, he would bring that as his (laughs) comfort item. Um, But, yeah, so he's passed out. And we flash forward to the next morning, which is the scene that had just played above us. Uh, Finn's woken up by Gwen screaming in the other room. Apparently, the cops had showed up at the father's work, and he was beating the shit out of her with a belt. Ooh. Tough scene. Tough. This was a yeah, tough scene, scene to get is, through. This is probably the hardest scene in many a movie that I've yeah. seen. Um, was not expecting no. it to be as graphic as it is. No, um, I don't think I don't think it's overdone. I think it is definitely hard to watch. It's the hardest scene to watch in the movie, um, and that includes everything with Ethan Hawke. Everything with Ethan yeah. Hawke is just kind of standard abduction type stuff. Mm-hmm. This was tough this was a tougher uh, scene to watch than so, i think I mean, any of the stuff with the grabber yeah so i mean I, my, my my point is for anybody that ever went through that like this might be one of those trigger type scenes for you because like it, it it's it's real it feels real um and you gotta remember it's the 70s that's when it's based in and i'm yeah. sure at the time this wasn't it was, really it was uncommon easy, yeah it wasn't uncommon to discipline your child with a belt whether it was a daughter or a son so obviously we don't do that now but um, at the time, I'm sure that was a, more of a common discipline, disciplinary yeah. action, especially from a drunk, especially with father, a, with a, single father, with a drunk single father who is constantly sauced. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but it is a hard scene to watch. But I think it's really where she she shines. This scene was just it. it they nailed it. Yeah, it, it it hurt to watch. It hurt to watch her because you know, like it, it felt like a real reaction. It yeah. wasn't like she was acting. <laughs> it felt like she was really, you know there there and who knows it could have been one of those deals where like he was told to kind of scare her yeah and try to get that emotion out of her otherwise i mean if that's not the case she's an unbelievable actress yeah watch out for her because she's she's, gonna be great and things that she gets you'll see her a lot more often i think finn too like finn's he does good nothing as well too i mean i would probably be praising him a lot more if the actress that plays gwen wasn't in this movie right because he's just i think she just overshadowed she shines or outshines him completely and that's Nothing to say about him in any way negative. It's just I think she was just that much better. She's just insane. Um, and everything. It's she, hard to keep up with that. She stole every scene she was in. Yeah. So in that one particular. And that's where I think we went from the dad being like stereotypical, just sauce drunk asshole dad to dad who is dealing with emotions that <clears throat> even he has to learn to control or he hasn't been yeah. able to learn how to control especially after his wife died i think we learned that his we do learn later is, on that the mother, the mother dead. she killed herself killed herself whatever so but so after adding all that up and seeing the emotion that even that davies brought to his role yeah 
um, made it even better. So I, that's where I was like, oh, okay. So they're actually going to put some effort into mm-hmm. building this relationship between this, the, the children and their father. Yeah. And it's not just evil Ethan Hawke abducting kids. Yeah. So the one thing during this scene that I did like kind of chuckle at was that she, you know, she grabs his vodka bottle of uh, vodka yeah, she and she's like i'll you know you hit me again i'll drop it or whatever you know she, obviously he lunges at her she drops it smashes on the ground but then he's just like my eight dollar bottle of vodka is like oh you cheap fuck um hey eight dollars is a lot in the second all right but uh, hey man that's tito's level um but yeah so we go through that and and the ending like climax of that scene really was him forcing her to say that like you know, the, the whole thing came about because the police showed up at his work um, from the the talk that and they he, had. And he knows that... The past or whatever. He, well, he said, yeah, so continue. But like, yeah, he, he makes her say that her dreams... It's not just that like, he's mad that yeah. they showed up at his work. He, you, you're supposed to think that. Yeah. But then he kind of elaborates that it's more than just, yeah. you know, I'm being bothered by police officers. Yeah. Work. And this is a, like a breadcrumb scene, I think, because we get the, the finality of this... We get the culmination right. of the beginning of this story scene, later on, but in this, he starts to say, makes her say like her dreams are just dreams, her her dreams aren't real, because um, right. that was obviously what the police came by looking for, saying, "Oh, well, your daughter said she had a dream," and blah blah blah. Right. And so it turns that, out that it's like exactly what happened. Yeah, set him off. Um, but in the other room, they kind of go down, and and I thought this was a very sweet, touching scene that Gwen kind of leans against Finn. Yeah, you know, Finn, Finn just visibly angry but as a scrawny little 14 year old kid like he's there's only so much he can do besides you know kill his dad in his sleep or something which he probably should but and but i also think what's cool is it shows like again it shows that there's a bond between the two characters Mm -hmm. um again more than we get in the short story and i'm not trying to compare the two like i said they're very different but not uh you get we get more of that there's yeah. more to care about like you obviously care about finn and you care about his sister because of the relationship the two of them have yeah you can tell and that they're shown through when they walk to school and walk home from school they're so. always together you know that's their their comfort of each other um then we get another scene now of robin um and this was a quick little little scene that robin was walking in a back lot somewhere and a man with a hat and a cape are in the distance yep. but out of focus and the footage kind of fades fades out and then various phones ring in different houses somebody calls finn's house eventually and their dad picks up and he's kind of a little bit shaken and soft-spoken he hangs up and he asks finn if he knew a boy named robin ari aria aria and then finn finishes it for him he's like yeah he's a friend from school um the dad just kind of walks away slowly so you you get that you get that yeah you get that tone of like okay robin's Robin was the kid that was taken. Yeah, so Robin was his friend. Yeah. was seemingly to be like, or business, he was, yeah. business partner. Yeah. We'll call him that. Um, um, but now the town's out looking for him. Um, Gwen comes into Finn's room and kind of offers her condolences, I guess. And she says that, you know, Robin was his friend. And then Finn's yeah. like, don't say that Robin is my friend. Yeah. He's, you know. You know, he's not uh, dead don't say that yeah he asks Gwen to do the dream thing but apparently it doesn't work that way because he wanted to get some hints right. or whatever like, he knows he about it clearly yeah. um, Gwen goes off to her room and opens up her little dollhouse and takes out a cross and some other little praying materials she starts asking Jesus for his help and letting <laughs> her have a dream that would help her find Finn's friend so like there's multiple like stories I think that are layered throughout this there's you know you have Gwen and her father's relationship, which starts out extremely rocky. You have that little part where he wants her to say dreams aren't real, and then we get to the next part of it. There's also this other relationship with Gwen and Jesus, which is 
yeah fantastic because we'll see various points of that where right now she's simply just asking for jesus for help um nicely she i can't say that she asks nicely again but she does again but um the next morning the cops show up to finn's house and her father opens the door obviously mad but they assure him that you know their daughter had nothing to do with this but it's kind of a silent scene um and and we see gwen sitting there with the cops but it doesn't seem like she's talking now i i think that her father had at that point gotten her head her dreams are just dreams yeah. none of this is real so the the cops were really searching for nothing at that point um we cut to again another scene that gwen absolutely steals but slow motion finn's getting chased by the bullies now um because robin's not there to to help him um but then gwen comes in like a fucking firecracker um she comes in with a rock and she's she yells out you fucking cocksucking cowards and smashes one of these kids right in the head with a rock and then she looks at this other one another one of the kids they go fuck you too you ugly face um or uh, oh fuck you too ugly ass face and throws the rock at him uh, she rushes at him, but then the kid like turns it into like a Randy Orton power slam. And he beats the shit out of her. He like, kicks her a bunch, um, and then she kind of crawls up next to the kid on the fence who got hit in the head with the rock, like, who is like gushing, not even out of it. Blood is pouring out of this. Like, yeah, the moose and this kid are probably dead. Like, <laughs> you would think so because we never hear anything about this kid again. Like. You never see him again. You don't hear anything about this kid was just gushing blood. You don't have cell phones in the seventies. No one's no, calling the hospital. No. So who knows what happened to this yeah, kid? Rotary phones. I think Gwen killed a kid. That's all I can say. Yeah. But I mean, the other between Robin and Gwen, we've got at least two murders not committed by the Yeah, we have two murders already. <laughs> um We're in class now, school um for Finn, and he's he's obviously kind of ruffled up a little bit. And they have to select a, a lab partner, and then the girl Donna, who is the girl from the, the crush the baseball game you know everyone kind of selects a partner and it's one of those scenes where oh of course this you know the loser kid got left out but then donna comes in and asks to be partners or whatever and she tells them that you know those kids are dicks and he's like what, what are you talking about he's like she's like everyone I'm knows fine. everyone knows about this those kids are assholes your sister's cool though and she's like <laughs> i wish me and your i wish you know me and my brother had the had the same yeah uh connection that you and your sister do so that was a nice little scene that it's not like just a on to school thing. It's not an at home thing. Like they truly are a, a bonded pair. Um, so they're now leaving uh, school, Gwen and Finn, and they're they're walking again. It must be Friday again because she says that she's going to. I think it was Susie's um, again, and then Finn's like, "Okay, all right, we'll, we'll talk to you, whatever." See you. So Finn starts to walk alone, and then here comes Ethan Hawke, who is stumbling and we fumbling and dropping full eggs. On st- uh, full on Ethan Hawke. Yep, this is his time. first introduction. Because before it's like you see it's the just man, images, you yep. see like distance type thing, but now we actually get full on mm-hmm. Ethan Hawke. So he fumbles, he drops some eggs on the ground, very goofy, like oh, oh shucks, like oh man, blah blah blah. Yeah. He tells him that he's a part time magician. Um, he asks him if he wants to see a trick, and as Finn goes closer, he can see through the back of the van, and he goes, "Are those are those black balloons?" And then. Ethan Hawke says, oh, yeah, they are. He opens it, takes the balloons out, and puts them in front of Finn. And obviously there's a struggle there, but that's how he's using the balloons. He's using the balloons to kind of right, he's just cover. It's his cover. He's gonna do. Um, so he sprays. I don't think we ever get an answer what it is. So it's, yeah, there's, it's it's just some sort of aerosol yeah. that, that knocks him out. Um, it's described in the sort story as being, like, bitter tasting. Mm-hmm. So it's probably some just some sort of, like, 
like canned air or something gotcha. like that. But like it's enough that will obviously knock, like, knock him out. Mm-hmm. But who knows? It, it, all we all we need to know is that it's the crazy go go juice that knocks the kids yeah. out that he uses to abduct him. Mm-hmm. The great thing about this movie, and again, I think this scene also kind of shows it, is that. There's no mystery as to who the bad guy is. Like no, it's no, no who done it. Yeah, there's sense. no who done it. There's no the audience kind of has to figure out what's going on. The whole point of the movie, the whole story is that you know you've got a kid who needs to who's growing up, learning to stand up for himself, um, and his family unit, which is dysfunctional. And you've to got, say the least, right? And then you've got you've got a bad guy that's you know, a pretty generic bad guy, I guess you'd say. The masks yeah. obviously make him unique, but like. There's not much to him. He's not, he's not much super to him. powered. He's just, he he's drives not... around in a black van like pretty much every child kidnapper ever does. I mean, yep. Remember, at this point in, 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 in time, don't ever drive a van. Like, yeah. Just don't even buy one. Unless you're, unless you're a, a soccer mom and you need a minivan. You need like a thousand that. of them for your don't 27 get, children. Yeah, don't get a, a, a panel van. Even if you work in a business where you, or you own a business. Even if you, you sell vans, don't try. Don't sell vans. Because <laughs> it just gives off child kidnapper. Yeah. Um. But yeah, just all joking aside, um, it's very just simple and by the numbers but it works because mm-hmm. of that like it's it, we don't don't give us too much explanation we no. don't need any of that just we know that he's bad he's going to abduct finn and let's see what happens after this point yeah so before he he's does not wearing a mask is he in the scene I don't n- think he no he's not. he's not he has i think his face painted yeah though, with white. white so it's kind of white super white so it fits his old magician scheme or whatever right. but um before finn does get completely knocked out he does stab ethan hawker or cuts his arm, arm up yep. and stuff like that uh, but we're now back at the grabber's basement with him carrying Finn, and now he has the full devil mask. So it does start out, though, with, like, he does wear an entire mask covering Correct. everything. It changes. Um, and it does change to show the, movie. the mood, or he does start revealing more about himself. And it's surprisingly subtle for something that's very out in the open. Like, yep. And when I mean subtle, I mean, like, they don't make a, they don't draw a ton of attention to it. Yeah. Like, it's, it's for the audience to notice. And it's obviously, obviously noticeable, but... I still, in a way, subtle. I guess is my point. Like it's in a way, it's it it changes, and you go, wait, something's different than we. Oh, oh, it's his face. His face changed, and like, yeah. I think it's one of those things where like we're not gonna draw attention to it, but we want you to notice it. Um, and I think it's it's really cool. There's no rhyme or reason. There's no there's no explanation. They don't tell you why, why yeah. he does that. Why does the mask change? It's just it just does, and I think that, that I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I will admit. <laughs> at least the the first mask i think it's the first mask is very bagul ish mm-hmm. and especially with his long hair yeah so like I'll, I'll, it's the one thing i was kind of like oh really like yeah are we just jacking that yeah, are we just jacking the other movie that derrickson did there is a nice little easter egg i, I think it's an easter egg we'll I, yep. point out at the end but um at least the first mask to me comes off very bagul mm-hmm. um, but it gets progressively better changes and, and i love how it's like at one minute it might just be the bottom half yeah it sometimes just it's the just top the top yeah it's really cool how it changes throughout the movie um but yeah he's he's upset that his arm is bleeding he says he's gonna snap his neck um, but then he just later says oh i was just i was just kidding i was just like almost immediately but oh but you really did a number on me like oh boy like yeah i did a fucking number on you you're trying to fucking kidnap me you fucking freak fuck you black black piece of shit black all the black balloons the black van your stupid black hat i hate it i hate all of you shame on you finn you should have known better yeah a dude driving around in a black van with black balloons dropping eggs dropping eggs and talking to little kids probably should run away especially in a town that's had children kidnapped yeah exactly you're obviously the grabber yeah just right? run don't wait for the black balloons to be like the sign yeah. like 
oh, this weird dude with a black hat, right. like, pulled out of a van and, and rolled it up to the back of the street. Like, at and, that point, and, I'm gone. And I think, like, some people may watch this movie and go, oh, well, they're just blatantly ripping off, like, it. Or they're blatantly ripping off, um, not ripping off, I don't want to say ripping off, but, like, blatantly taking inspiration from guys like John Wayne Gacy and that sort of thing. Yeah. But I look at it as less inspir- less ripping and more um, using a lot of that as, as inspiration for it. Because remember, um, he's obviously the, the author of the short story is Stephen King's son. So it gives off that Stephen King vibe. Yeah. Because he, he writes much like his father does. But I think that was also kind of like a love letter to yeah. Joe's father too from Scott. I think Scott's like a very big fan of both King and Joe Hill. Yeah. And I think that was kind of just his love letter to... Pennywise and it and all these different things that have been told throughout the pantheon of the King Kingiverse and the mm-hmm. Hilliverse. Um, so I, mean, um, I think that was pretty cool. Yeah, back to that scene. Um, you know, the grabber assures him that nothing bad is going to happen here, um, and he asks if he likes soda. But then he hears a phone ringing in the distance, and I, I I noted that I didn't hear anything. I don't think there was an actual phone in the in the distance. But he leaves the room um, and locks yeah, the door behind him. There isn't a noise. He just I, he I, says he. I think, I think he just he says. He hears. Oh, maybe maybe it, actually it might ring. Might have been something upstairs. Again, that's be- that's the beauty of this movie is it's so subtle. Yeah, a lot of this stuff is subtle. So I think that it may have rang. And he was like, oh, do you hear that ringing or whatever? And yeah. it's like, it throws you off because it's like, it's obvious. So why is he acting like, Yeah. well, did you hear that? Yeah. So it wasn't like the phone. We'll get to the phone, but yeah, it might have been one upstairs. It's in the room with them. But. Yeah. Um, but Finn is obviously shaken up. Now he's left alone. Um, he has his pen with him. He gets up and he tries the door, but it's obviously locked. He checks his surroundings. He finds one bathroom with some rugs in it and a black phone on the wall that clearly doesn't work. Right. Um, I did notice that there was an Easter egg. You said that you said there was an Easter egg. I found one here too. I think it's is it maybe the same one? Um, so there's a line running through the wall, wall, which is like the the, poster of Sinister. Sinister So it's it's very obviously just paying homage. Shout out to the other movie that they were in. Um, so we're now at Susie's house. Um, and the phone rings, and Susie's mother grabs it and and tells Gwen of the phone. It's it's her father. She says on the phone no she hasn't seen him since school obviously we know that like this is the scene of her realizing that he's gone she knows that finn was taken um so she immediately runs out she runs home you know this this scene was pretty heartbreaking watching her because you know from already maybe 30 minutes into the movie that you know that's like her saving grace that's her comfort yeah we've talked about it already there's just that bond um and i mean obviously you've You've got family. You've got you. You might have siblings. Like you, you, you have a bond with your siblings, and obviously when something like this happens. But she's got that like little sister looking up to big brother, mm-hmm. all at the same time trying to be her own person and sometimes better than her brother. But like there's, it's it's done out of like a, it's done out of like a respectful and loving um, way in the sense that like you know you're my brother I'm always going to try to be better than you but so she's got that bond with him and you can tell like she didn't have to really mention I don't, I don't think the mother mentions even his name I think she just talks about she just mentions like that yeah I have she, she hasn't seen him or whatever and she just immediately knows that oh Shit. Christ like he's 
he was taken. He's the next one, yeah. He was the next victim. Or he's going to be the next victim. Yeah, so she's back in her room. She's she praying takes again. takes off. Yeah. Fucking bolts. No, she's she's there with the little comfort blanket around her while the, the dad's talking to um the, the cops and stuff yeah. like that. But she's back upstairs praying again, and then we cut to a phone ra- uh, phone ringing sound, and it goes right to Finn, yeah. uh, who wakes up looking towards like the black phone, the phone that's in the corner. Um, he picks it up. And then you hear the grabber's voice, which is kind of like jump cutty, like a little bit of a scare. But he wasn't like blah, blah, blah. He was very soft spoken. He tells him, you know, he's like that phone doesn't work. Yeah, the thing and he this, wasn't. He was there, but Finn didn't know he was there. There were no cheap jump scares in this movie. Yeah, all there was like three or four, and they were good. earned. But they were they earned. Were done yeah, well. they, they were they were jump scares that like again I, I've said it before. Like I I, I hate jump scares because they're not scary. They're just alarming. Like they just mm-hmm. they just they boo like they shock you. Um, but when they do it right, so this movie definitely did it right with the few that they had, and, yeah. and I wouldn't call this movie necessarily a straight up horror movie, anyways. It's more thriller, but it did have that element to it where it was like a thriller, but it had those horror elements, and I think those that particular jump scare was good because, like you said, it wasn't like in your face; it was really He's subtle. Like, Put on the phone; it doesn't work. He's right, like, he just kind of it just doesn't, like, work. Hey, doesn't work. And like, you're like, whoa, yeah, shit! Like, like the fuck was that? Yeah, you jump like Finn jumps because he's not expecting it. Yeah, um, but yeah, he he says that it hasn't worked since he was a kid and that it's it's creepy down here or whatever um he says he'll take him home soon but everything's all fucked up <laughs> which i was like all right ethan hawk sure <laughs> everything's all fucked up you're the one stealing kids but i'm sorry your day's been inconvenienced um but finn finn asks him this was a good scene because it, it was kind of showed finn's smarts a little bit um he asks him um like if somebody saw something are they coming are the police coming he's like if you know, if you let me go, like, I won't say anything. Just just let me go. Um, and then asks, like, if the police are here, I'm going to scream. They're going to hear me. Um, and then the grabber kind of makes mistakes here. Um, someone, oh, please come on the screen. The grabber makes a mistake here and says that, no, he won't hear you. And then Finn kind of corrects him. He's like, he? And then the grabber's like, gets pissed off. He's like, no one will hear you. Like, he made the mistake of letting him know there's more than likely somebody upstairs that doesn't know about this, but he's not going to be able to hear him yeah. because the grabber soundproofed this all himself. Right, so what's cool is that, like, one, it establishes that, like you said, Finn definitely has, he's got more going on than you think. Mm-hmm. He's not just a helpless victim. It shows that the bad guy is somewhat infallible and can be caught into, you know, in circles if he's not careful. Mm-hmm. But it's also kind of a little bit of a foreshadow, too, yep. to the very end. And I won't give away the ending yet. You're yep. still going through it, but... Um, when he says no one will hear you and there's a reason why he says that yeah so um but he tells him to hang the phone up he thinks that maybe static electricity makes it go off sometimes but no one's ever there um and the grabber shuts the door and fid starts screaming but then there's an exterior shot um of the basement window showing that it is soundproof you can't hear him out there Uh, he tries to jump up to the window and can't reach it and then he kind of ruffles up he's like nobody you obviously can't get out that way nobody if you know if you could somebody already would have Robin definitely would have done that. Um, and then the phone rings. And he's right. a little hesitant to pick it up, but then he does, and there's nobody on the line. So a little bit of, like, sense of, like, okay, I kind of see where we're, we're going yeah. here. Um, so Finn is sleeping now, and he wakes up, and he sees the phone kind of moving around, distorting. And he's and he, breathing. Yeah. So that's actually from the short story. Like, that's a, that, that is a specific thing that is described as the phone... Like morphing, feels almost, like it's like. breathing. So it feel it looks like it's. So it feels, yeah. it's it, to me, so again, being the literary junkie that I am, 
I think that it kind of represents a heart-shaped box from Poe in a way because mm-hmm. that story, that short story is very much about a man who is hearing a heartbeat at night, doesn't know where it's coming from, can't it's driving him nuts, driving him insane. It turns out there's an actual like a heart in a box underneath his floorboards. But it's to me, it's kind of like where it's like they're taking a... Joe Hill in the story and in the movie is taking an inanimate object and making it human in a way. Yeah, it gives um, it life. And there's, again, one other thing that's there's no explanation for it. No. There's no reason to explain it. You don't have to explain it. It's just supernatural. Mm-hmm. Just like, why is the phone? Why is there a phone in the basement? Like, that's yeah, the other thing. That's like, the only thing that's there. the only thing that's down there. Besides a mattress and some towel and rugs. And, and, and then, like, they're f- like, on the other side, there's a toilet. Yeah. So it's like, obviously, he's converted this into a cell, mm-hmm. I would assume. Yep. Um, but there is very little explanation for why the phone is breathing, why that's happening. I think other than the fact just to say, hey, there's supernatural shit going on. You know, just you know, just like the characters in the movie, you as the audience are supposed to be confused. We're not mm-hmm. going to explain this stuff because you wouldn't know what was going on either. Yeah. At the time, no. If you were there, at, you know, going through the same situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is there. He's seeing it moving, and he tells it to stop. And then that's when the grabber just kind of jump scares again, saying, "Stop what?" And he's just sitting there watching him. He tells him that he's Finn tells him that he's hungry. He needs food. And then the grabber says, well, I can't bring you any right now. And he asks, why? Would somebody, the person upstairs, see me? And he's kind of getting upset at this point. And he just says, like, no, it's just not how he shuts the door. Um, And then we cut to Finn again, sleeping. This kid sleeps a lot. I know he's, like, trapped. But, like, even before, like, he passed passed out watching horror movies at home. He passed out at, like, this kid's always being woken up. Um, Yeah, right? He wakes up again, the phone, and he answers it this time, and he says that he needs help, but it's just kind of a static sound, and we, just as we think it's going to like just cut dry, a distorted voice says, Finny, and he hangs it up quickly and kind of rushes to the other back wall, and it rings again. He picks it up, hangs it up, and then walks away, and this time it rings a third time, but this time it doesn't like, ring, ring, it's just a constant like, ring, it doesn't... Yeah. stop until he picks it up so it's obviously like the the, the spirit trying to get his attention the, yeah trying to get his attention um making it ring they say that um the person they, he picks it up and the person says don't hang up um they say they don't remember their name and it's their fir- the first thing that they lose he asks um how he knows his name he says that they met once and that his arm is mint um and that he almost had him so obviously this is a callback to the first scene of bruce this is bruce Obviously. Um, oh, you know what? <laughs> I'll, I'll correct myself in a second. Okay. Um, he keeps saying that his arm is mint, which is weird because, like, these, these phone calls, you'll find out that they, they give advice and then they repeat random lines a lot throughout what they're saying, even if it doesn't make sense. Um, so it kind of throws you off a little bit from that point. But they, he says that the phone never rang for any of them, but he heard it and the grabber hears it too. But again, he just says his arm is made. But the question is, does, the, does, does he actually hear it too? Because they don't really give it away that he does or he doesn't. I don't think till maybe the very end, if I remember correctly. Yeah, but, and even at the end, they don't directly give it away, but it's right. implied. It's I implied think. that he hears it. Um, I do want to correct myself. I got to go back a few seconds. So I said heart shaped box by Edgar Allan Poe. I actually meant a telltale heart. Sorry, okay. heart shaped box. Nirvana. Box is, no, heart shaped box. Well, is Nirvana, but it's also <laughs> a Joe Hill short story collection mm. or a, bo- a, bo- a book. Sorry, mm-hmm. it's a novel. Um, so that is my fault. I apologize for anybody that was screaming at the, the you're an idiot, you're wrong. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I apologize for that. Um, but I do want to tie in, though, is when he first talks to, at least I think in the movie, I know in the short story it's like this, and I think Joe Hill is actually tying, not tying something in from this to, from, from, from something else to this, but he uses this in another novel he writes later in his career. 
Um, but the idea that the kids have crossed over, I guess, in a way. Yeah. Um, but they don't know who they are. Like they you kind of like name. And they, like they said, it's the first thing you lose. So probably I'm assuming like when you die, the first thing that happens so, is you lose your name, you lose your right. identity. So what's up, what I think is awesome is that in another book by Joe Hill, Nosferatu, which is another great story if anybody is feeling reading it or if you want to watch something, they made a miniseries of it and put it on Shutter. So check one of those two things out. But um, I think in that story as well, all of the kids that are abducted by the bad guy in Nosferatu, uh, Charlie Manx, he brings him to his like Christmas Wonderland play- place, which is kind of like the afterlife in a way, or like his own version of hell. And I, I believe that the kids there forget their names too. So I think it's like kind of like one of those things where he's tying in across multiple stories, kind of mm-hmm. like how his dad does. Like when you read Stephen King stuff, like it all ties into each other. You hear about characters from different stories and different books. So yeah. I think it's kind of cool he does that. And I think in the movie uses it too. It's not as it's not as explicit. I think, like you said, I think Bruce says it's the first thing you, you lose is your name or whatever. Yeah. But the idea that like you lose your identity when you cross over. Yeah. Um, but then it cuts to shots of Bruce getting taken. Um, and we're back to that old film style. So it's like that real yeah, style. Yeah, we're going back to that like, whole um, movie. Yeah, so it's different shots of like Bruce as a kid hitting baseballs, stuff like that. But then we get a shot of Finn inside of a locked house screaming for help. Mm-hmm. And then Gwen wakes up. And that is just kind of, it shows us that was that it's was probably her dream. Her yep. um, so she goes on a bike ride to kind of look for that house. She only got really was like the door front. And, and that was really it. And this is basically, and again, not to go back in, in, in time, but like when you asked about the sword story and her, this is basically what's described in the book or in the story for, for the most part is just her having that weird dream and taking her bike and happening, happening to hap, finding the street with the house on it. So that scene in the movie is kind of where it's described for the most part in the book as how she has powers. So I think that's kind of cool how they tied that in together. Yeah. Um, I made him lose his place. Yeah, I did. I lost my notes. Um, oh, we cut back. So he's back on the phone now still. And he tells him that there's um, a loose tile and that he started digging to get out, but he kind of ran out of time. So it kind of shows us now Finn is, is going to be digging through this hole. Um, he's kind of moved the tile. And as he's doing it, it's pretty smart. He's taking the dirt, flushing it down the toilet. Um, so there's not like any signs of, of him digging, digging it. Yeah. And then he covers up the um, the big hole with rugs from that were laying in the bathroom. Yeah. Um, again, Finn is awoken, <laughs> staring at the door, um, kind of waiting. The grabber comes down saying he made him some breakfast. And Finn asks him, what did he put in it? What's in it? And he says, oh, salt, salt and pepper. <laughs> and starts laughing. like, okay. Like, he, he's like, it's wow. So yeah. It's just it's simple. So um, he says, you know, like, why would I need to drug you? You're already here. Yeah. Like, well, and, okay. And, 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 you're, and you're like, well, okay then. Yeah. You're, you're right. True. There's zero reason for him to drug him. But. I think it, it's the genius of, of the, of the Hawk character is that like, he is kind of like naive in a way. Yeah. But at the same time, he is the one with the power, at least at the moment. Um, so it's kind of like a, it's a contrast or a dichotomy of two different things. Like you've got the dude who has the power because he's he's obviously abducted this child, brought him to a basement, and he's locked him in the basement. And the child can't do anything about that. Um, but at the same time, his character and his personality is of like himself a naive child. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really kind of weird how that kind of plays with each other and then obviously kind of the roles swap a little bit near the end but or or at least the 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 climax of the movie kind of swaps those roles yeah um but i think that's that's the genius of his character is that it it feels like he's soft in a way like he's delicate even though he's a 
fucking murderous ab- yeah abductor. there's something off about him he's, he's almost a child he has like a childish mind almost it feels like yeah well that's that's and that's exactly it yeah i think it feels almost like he's got that that mind of a child mm-hmm. um but he says he doesn't need to drug him um he leaves the food on the floor but doesn't lock the door and finn starts to go to the door um because he notices that he never sent that like last latch right. um but just as he was gonna hit it and, and open the phone rings, the phone rings. So he picks it up, and it's a new voice now telling him not to go up the stairs. It's a trap. He asks if this is Bruce, uh, but he says, no, he doesn't know a Bruce. And then there's a quick jump scare again here to show the dead kid talking to him right behind him. Yeah. And it was cool because they kept his, you know, the kid was standing next to him talking to him. Phone, but it was yeah. through the phone, which is cool. I think as for me, and again, that was the only thing that I didn't like. I didn't necessarily enjoy the fact that they had the actual like, kids in the room with mm-hmm. them. I, and like sometimes they did because uh, Bruce was the only one I think that wasn't actually. Once yeah, we got Bruce was really the only one I think that wasn't in it. And and again, I don't, I don't think it takes away from the movie. I just it, for me it wasn't exactly uh, needed. It was only the one thing that I was like, eh. Yeah. Don't really need that. Um, but it's it's I guess it's Billy the paper boy. Um, yes. He ends up who's a new character. Finn ends up knowing who he was or he heard about him and stuff, stuff. But he warns him again: do not go upstairs. The grabber's waiting upstairs with the belt, and he'll beat you until you pass out. So yeah. Finn does end up going through the door, and he walks slowly up the up the stairs. But as he approaches the top, he kind of thinks against it, retreats, and then the camera does pan yeah. over to seeing. Um, Ethan Hawke sitting there with shirt shirtless with the yeah, belt in hand like waiting. 50 plus year old you looking kind of looking kind of kind of big he's, though. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a little been, bit. He's been he's working the chest. He's got that he's got that, he's got that beard. Yeah, he's got the dad bod beer gut, you know, the ones that we all It looks like the dude with. that was like jacked at 30, yeah. stopped lifting weights but didn't lose yeah. his shape. And he like kept the top like, oh, and lost right. the bottom. We're going to make him look normal. Yeah. Um, but Finn goes back downstairs, shuts the door behind him, and starts eating the eggs. Um, so that's kind of where it, this is what's starting to bother Ethan Hawke's character is that he's not playing the game like Ethan Hawke wants him to. Yeah. This is the game that he's played with every victim so far. Or at least it's, they're giving off that vibe. Yeah. You know, Which goes back to the line to of him play. saying, like, everything's fucked up. Right. Or like you're, not, yeah, you're supposed to not. This isn't supposed to be this way. You're supposed to, like, um, be just falling into my traps or whatever. Because it's obvious. Mm-hmm. It, it, they haven't given it away, but it's obvious that the door was left open for a reason. It yeah. wasn't like a mistake. Mm-hmm. He was trying to lure him upstairs to beat the shit out of him. Yeah, but um, Gwen is at school sleeping. She's woken up, and the teacher tells her to go to the nurse. Just a quick little little cut scene, but it goes back Most down to Finn. Most of this movie is, is quick cut. Yeah, the, I feel like the closer we get towards the end, the more it jumps back yeah. and forth. Well, the end obviously goes back and forth between like three different things, but... Um, we're back to Finn, and he's woken up by the black phone again. Um, it's Billy um, again. And he moves the glass. He starts moving the glass around and points it to the window. He eventually tells him that um, he tore a large cord or a cable loose, and he kind of hit it back there, but Finn can use that to get up to the window. Yes. Now we cut back to Gwen, who's now dreaming again of of Billy. Um, Quick little shots of him on his paper route, then he gets taken. Um, But this time, she sees the whole house with the grabber standing there with the balloons, the top hat, just kind of laughing. There's no address, but, like, she has more of the house besides just the door to go off of now. Right. Um, back to Finn. He gets the cable loose and attaches it to the grate at the front of the window. This is a long scene. Physics, I don't think, apply to the scene because he, like, ro- ropes the, the cable yeah. up through the... But whatever. At the end of the day, convenient. he ends up getting the cable around the grate in front of the door and pulls himself up 
but as he's pulling himself up, the cable, or the cable doesn't snap, but the, the grate pulls out of the window, slamming him down. Yeah. And this was my first moment that I was like, okay, this kid's fucking dumb. <laughs> Why didn't, like, the grate seems like it would have been the hard part. You know, like, now it's just the window. Can he not break the window? I mean... The question is, can he get up to the window? Which we saw earlier, he was jumping, and his fingers were just on the window. So I feel like if you took all the rugs or the carpets and stacked them, like, it gives you that extra... Obviously, you don't have the cable to, like, pull yeah. yourself up anymore, but I feel like it's it's within range that he could have just got out through that little window. So we we haven't gotten to, to some of it near the end of the movie yet. I think there is reasons why he is the way he is. Obviously, he's a kid. Like, I mean, we put anybody in this situation, they're not going to think straight. Um, so as a kid, it's even more so. Like, the fact that he's staying as calm as he is and he, he slowly breaks down a little bit as the movie goes on but um i can see why he jumps at things like, like the minute he kind of realized what they were talking about he was like oh yeah so he went and did the whole pulled the grate out of the window it slammed him and i think didn't hit him in the head i think he just hit his or head again, on the way down and it kind of slammed next again, to him third moment in this movie where it's like that kid should be dead yeah but either way um <laughs> But now we get to a scene where Gwen is going to her father, who is, again, drinking alone. And she asks him a question. And he makes She makes him promise that he won't get mad. Um, and she wants to talk about her dreams. And he's visibly upset, but, like, he's, okay, let's talk about it. So he's kind of, this is a scene that I, I saw going one way, and it kind of went the other way, thankfully. Um, but she asks him, you know, that, like, what if, what if her dreams were real? What if they could help them find Finn? Like, isn't it worth going Fine. down that route but this is where we do find out that you know the father goes on this barrage of he explains that his the mother yeah their yeah. mother did the same thing or she claimed to have seen she heard things she yeah. saw things but then those things started to tell her to do terrible things right. and that's why she took her own life right and he doesn't want her to have that life apparently her life of having an abusive drunk piece of shit father was is much better so sure yeah I mean, but i mean to to be to be fair on his side i mean his wife committed suicide so now he's like literally like guilty. enough to pick up the pieces yeah, he's, he's living with that on top of having to raise his kids by himself and yeah keep them from getting in trouble and that sort of thing so i can understand why he's a little broken up and getting sauce all the time yeah like that would make me want to get sauce all the time but um i am happy that they left it at that yeah i didn't i mean i felt like at that point they were getting a little too much like too much into the into the weeds with it like like don't i was like please stop there like, don't give us too much backstory i mean I, I like the fact that the little girl has some sort of supernatural power it fits the story um it adds some mysteriousness to it but you know okay fine the mother you know she had the same type of thing she committed suicide and her dad's like trying to keep the little girl from falling down the same path just leave it at that and they did and, and they, they definitely didn't really go much further into it or any more into it than they had to um because once you start going too far into stuff like that, then it becomes a little like, all right, now you're adding way too much. Yeah, it, it's a it's an hour and forty movie. Like you don't need to go into that much detail. Um, I mean, it's better off that it's kind of mysterious and it leaves us with, you know, questions. Like that's that's what I love about movies. It's like you know that will make you think and ask questions after it ends. Like, all right, mm -hmm. so what you know, what was that about? Did did she really have magical powers? Was it just something she was thinking she had? Yeah, who um, knows? Who knows? That's what I like better. So For the I'm viewer to decide. Kind of like that. But at least it gived. It gived. Gived. It gave it to me. Give it, it gave us um, 
you know, some some additional reasons to be like, all right, so her dad's not quite as big of an asshole as you think he is. I mean, yeah, he's not doing things the right way. He's kind of, you know, he, he's, he's, I guess, through today's lenses, the discipline is... He'd abusive. be arrested. Yeah. I mean, but, like, not justifying that type of action, but at least there's a reason why he's a drunk and he... Is not just is a, Struggling and yeah. falling apart. Um, it's not just that he's a stereotypical piece of shit. Yeah, just like, for being... He's a piece of just shit, for, but he's reasons to be a piece of shit. Yeah. I guess um, that's my point. Yeah, but so we we do finish the scene where um, and Gwen again, and her father are driving around, seemingly looking for that house. Yeah. So he kind of did so cave and, like, and all right, gave yeah, her a little bit. It makes. I mean, we probably should try it. Um, he, again, yeah. another great scene in the two of them together. Yeah, and I, I think, think it's like well. I don't. I obviously, I can't say I know, but I think that he's not bought in on it, but he knows that it will make her feel better. So at least he like takes her for the ride to, you know, make it make an effort at least to make her feel a little bit of, of, of positivity. Um, but then the police pull up to a house and we are now introduced to Max, who is played by who you brought James or maybe I brought uh, James ransom. Um, he was in it chapter two. He was the, yes. the, the, the um, older version of Eddie. And he was also yes. the cop in sinister one and two, I Correct. think it was. Um, and this guy is a squirrely man. He is all over the place. Oh, the coke, uh, yeah, the yeah he is coked out of his mind. You know, the cops we don't are just know who's his yet. yeah. The cops are just surveying the town, showing pictures, seeing if they see him. And he brings them on. He's like, no, no, come here. Look, look at this. Look at this. Shows him the whole map. He's like, look, the, all all the abductions have been here, here, and here. You know, they've been walking home from school. That means that this grabber has to have a driveway, a garage. He has to live in this radius. Yeah, well, so he has it all mapped like, out. This is kind of like the like the one and only like gotcha of the movie. Yeah, in the sense that like they. They want you to think that the cops are gonna know, are gonna think that it's him. Yeah. Uh, obviously, as the audience, we know that it is. It's not him. Yeah. But the idea where it's like, oh, they're gonna arrest him or whatever, and it's kind of the cops are like, don't they don't take him serious? No, they're not just, at all. Just like this guy's. A they kind of dismiss him. Job. They're like, all right, you know, he says that he's in but, between jobs. He's living. Yeah. He's not. This this isn't his house. He's living with his brother. And they're like, all right, well, if you see anything, let us know. He's like, oh, if I get up more any more leads, new leads. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, dude. Also, you might want to clean up yeah, before yeah, your brother gets home. And he looks through the table, and there's just lines of coke. He's like, oh, like, oh shit. shit. <laughs> and then he just starts blowing lines. <laughs> and then so from crazy. there, it's a pan down zoom yep. to show, you know, it, it seems that uh, Finn is in that same basement. Right. I don't know if it's meant to show you that or not, but that's it, what it, 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 that's, it is. I don't know if it's, it's fully lifting the veil off of you, but I saw the, it as blatantly. The door is the same. Yeah. So it, it goes down and shows, like, you know, the wood infrastructure of the flooring down to the basement where we are now shown uh, Finn. Um, the lights come on, and he pretends to be asleep. Um, and then the grabber comes in with a tray once again, and, and Finn starts to plead with him, like, please let him go. He says that. And then... The grabber goes, yeah, like, it's weird. Like, this this time, everything is just different. Nothing's going right, which, obviously, nothing's going right because Finn hasn't been playing the, the game of going upstairs. But he asks him um, what his name is, and then this is where Finn lies. I think he says his name is, like, Taylor or something. Um, and then the grabber, obviously, his emotions immediately change. He drops the tray and throws a, a newspaper at him. Finn opens the newspaper to see a picture of his face, and he's like... Um, he talks about, he's like, man, I was so close to letting you go, Finny. He was just pissed that the kid lied to him. Obviously, he probably wasn't going to let him go, but, um, you know, just a little game of cat and mouse there. But he leaves and, again, doesn't lock the door. And, again, as Finn starts to walk towards it, the phone rings, um, but it hangs up. 
And then the grabber, we see him in the kitchen again, waiting for Finn to come upstairs, but he's starting to kind of doze off a little bit. Well, Finn's now sleeping again. Um, and he hears a slow drip, and then he, sh he shines his light looking for it. Um, and then this is another jump scare. And then all of a sudden, as his light moves across the room, we see a kid's body floating in the air and kind of contorted and dripping blood on the floor. And this is the sound that he, um, that he heard. The kid's body um, just points to the phone, and he picks it up. And then the body is gone. So it was cool. And we'll find out why I think it was cool in a second. But the phone didn't ring. And I think the, the reason why the phone didn't ring is because we didn't want to wake up the grabber who was upstairs. Right. Who also Correct. supposedly hears the phone. So smart on them. Um, he tells them that he doesn't have much time and the grabber hasn't been sleeping. Um, he thinks his brother might figure it out soon. So at this point, we're like, okay, this is definitely the same house. Um, he tells him that he hasn't killed him because he hasn't played the game Naughty Boy. And he can't kill him until he does. Until he does. He can't. The grabber needs to win. If he doesn't right. win, he can't move on to the next part right. of the game. Which is why the grabber is frustrated. Yeah. He's like... So That's why nothing's going right. Everything's fucked up. Right. He's not the kid. This kid is not playing, not playing the fucking game. game. Um, but he tells him that he's not sleeping again and that he's passed out now in the chair. He noticed the door is still unlocked. He's like, it is unlocked. It's still unlocked, even though he's sleeping. Um, and he tells him that he has to go upstairs, but there's a lock on the door, and the lock used to be Griffin's bike lock. And the kid obviously, because they forget everything, he forgot the number for the the lock. But he did say that he carved it into the wall, um, and he did so. But, of course, now, whether it's, you know, 2, 23, 31, or whatever, like, there, there's various numbers, and they didn't remember which one it is. So he has to try is, yeah. He has to try all of them. Um, so he does. He slowly makes his way upstairs in a very tense scene. He walks around or walks right in front of Ethan Hawke's character, who is sleeping but still kind of nodding his head, snorting, stuff like that. Um, and he goes through the different combinations. He doesn't get it until the very last one, of course, because why would that just be so easy for him but he finally does get it and then the dog barks awaking the grabber finn at that point has the door open he rushes outside and starts running up the street but we see the grabber get into his van drive up the street he catches up to him tackles him and they're on the ground and then lights on different houses start to go on but at that point the grabber takes a knife out and puts it to his throat and says he'll gut him right here and strangle him with his own intestines if he makes a sound <laughs> and then we um the lights go back off and it's like man Part number two, where I fucking didn't like Finn. Like, you should have been able to make up enough ground. You should have been able to hide. You should have been able to, yeah. like, you should have been, at that point, he should have been gone. He was out. He should have been gone. Especially with dad bought Ethan Hawk over here. Yeah, like, he, and, and from the cuts, like, he was outside of the house before Ethan Hawk realized what had happened. Right. He was still kind of groggy waking up. And on top of that, Ethan Hawk had to go find his keys, then run to his car, back out of the driveway, chase up. But then at that point, it seemed like Finn had gone like 10 feet from the house. So I was like, yeah. man, he should have booked it into the, like right through the backyard into the woods, yeah, they wanted to do that. hide they would somewhere. Have been better off having him like do the, the cliche bang on a door and the neighbor doesn't open or whatever. Yeah. And like, then get, get taken here, there. Kid, get out of here. Yeah. I'm going to call the cops. Go away. That type of thing. And but, then he catches up to him. But, you're but right. that was the other part. But then he finally, the grabber finally kind of won because he says like, oh, nighty night, naughty boy. And then yeah. knocks him so out. he got the naughty boy out of him. Which yeah. He finally got the naughty the, boy. That was kind of the point. Like, yeah. The whole scene. Um, but then now we cut to Gwen, who is at home and opens up her dollhouse another time. And this time she goes off. And this oh, is Jesus. my <laughs> third favorite. This is my third of my favorite scenes. Um, she opens the door and goes, Jesus, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, what the fuck? Seriously, what the hell is wrong with you? 
Um, and she's like, you're giving me these clues and they don't mean anything. And now I wake up and I have no dream. Uh, this was I just the dialogue the between her and Jesus. Is like, amazing. Fuck you, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> um, well, we cut right from there to, to Finn kind of waking up again to the voice. Um, from the, the phone was ringing and he wakes up and it's a new voice. But this one's angry and he tells him that this is his nightmare. It's his end of his pathetic life. And Finn remembers him. It's a kid named Vance, who, much like the Billy the Paperboy, we had no seeing of Vance before yeah, he, this, this scene. Yeah, this is the first time we've heard of him. Um, but Vance used to scare the shit out of him. Um, we cut now to a flashback scene again, which is that film-like reel, which at this point we can now assume that this is a dream of Gwen's. Um, this Billy lookalike from Stranger Things is playing pinball. Yeah, he's supposed to, yeah. He's um he's the the rambunctious time I guess but he's playing pinball some kid fucks up his score and he tackles him fights him in the seven eleven or wherever they are and carves seven seven four one into his arm um, he's then arrested and as he's getting arrested Gwen walks out from behind the cop car and sits in the back seat with him um, so no one can really see her but then the police radio kicks on and it's Finn's voice yeah so Finn is talking to Vance in this like weird little realm. Um, and Vance is talking through the police radio, the scanner, yeah. um, and then Gwen wakes up and she's in the bath. Um, we're back to the grabbers now, and then Vance is telling him that he hasn't tried everything yet. You know, Vance. You know, he said that the grabbers pissed his shit when he saw what Vance did. He had to put millions, or he had to put a bunch of money into it. But essentially, what he tells him is that there's a little section of the wall next to the bathroom that if you smash through, there's a freezer. And if you do it at the right part, you can unscrew the back of the freezer and you can make it into the storage room. Um, and then we get a scene where Vance is now in the room with him and he's yelling at him that this isn't about helping Finn. This is about the grabber. Like, fuck, he, fuck him. And he like, gets pulled into like this dark abyss, which is like a pretty cool scene compared to the other kid scenes being yeah. there. But um, Finn now uses the top of the toilet seat to kind of smash into the wall. He does reach the freezer. This kid's like a little MacGyver. As stupid as he is for not going out the window and running in the right direction, he is smart that he undoes all the, like, the little rods and stuff inside the back of the toilet, finds like a washer, and uses the, the side of it as a coin almost to unscrew yeah, that latch. It's kind of weird. This is the scene we see him kind of just break down. And it's like, you remember, all right, the audience realizes, yeah, you know, he is just a kid. A kid, like, yeah. Like, He's doing everything he can. He's listening to what they're telling him, but you know everything just doesn't seem to work. Mm -hmm. And obviously, this turns out to be the same thing. It doesn't work. Yeah. So he gets he gets the panel open and he gets into the freezer full of steaks and he goes to kick it open, but it doesn't. You can't open. It's one of those latch doors. So obviously, you can't get it. So he's defeated. He crawls out and he starts crying. And then the phone rings. But then this time, it's Robin. So this is his knight in shining armor. He comes through. He tells him to stop crying and that. You know, he can see him. He knows he's crying. But uh, this is the day that he had told him about. Not not that he needs to see Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but he told him that he needs to stand up for himself. Right. Um, he said that he can see him and friends never leave friends behind. He says that they're both fighters. Finn never threw a punch, but he knew how to take one, and he was always getting back up. Um, he reminds him he doesn't want to die for nothing. He needs to die knowing that he at least helped his friend. Right. Robin is, those kids are dead. There's no helping them. They're not coming back. But he wants to at least know that on his way out, he helped his buddy Finn one last time. Um, he tells him to take the phone and pack it full of dirt, take a couple steps back, swing. And they do this over repetition, so yeah, he, gets, they, they he practice, gets it down. They practice They have it. a little Rocky montage scene there. <laughs> um, but he tells them that, you know, like, well, will I be able to talk to anybody? He says, no, this is the last call. And it's all here from uh, all him from here it's on out. You. 
And he tells him that he needs to get out for him and use what they gave him. So that was like a little okay. We'll see. We'll see what that line has to do it with. It's real home alone-ish from this point on. Yeah, it does. Um, we're now to Gwen, who's riding her bike, looking around, and she's dressed in a bright yellow raincoat, which mm-hmm. of course homage to to it, it yep. to Georgie. Um, this was a good jump scare that worked for me too. You know, lightning struck, and then right as it struck, there's all the dead kids. She skids out, falls off her bike, but then looks up and sees that she's right in front of the house. 7741, that's the house yeah. um, that she saw in her dream. She rushes, rushes home, finds the police card, and calls them. This is where stuff gets really fast and heavy with multi-cuts. Um, oh, wow, we really sped through this movie. Okay, because we kind of caught... For a while, we were uh, right on track with what was going on, but now we're, we're, we're back a little bit, which is perfect. Because I didn't want to do a two-hour podcast tonight. Yeah, well, I mean, the movie... I mean, the movie doesn't... It picks up pretty quick from here. It does pick up here. pretty quick. I mean, yeah. it, it kind of... It, not that it's slow in the beginning, but it definitely builds and builds and builds. And There's a lot of steps. And this point, and it's like, this is where the climax kind of yeah. hits us. It's This is where it starts to get fast. And, yep. and that's literally what I just said. In, this, in my note right here, I have a climax is about to come. Yeah. So it's... Uh, Gwen rushes to the room, finds the card, and then it cuts to the grabber who's out and about doing errands, and it looks like he's getting like a cement bag or dirt bag or something like that. Yeah. Then it cuts to Max, who's still doing cocaine, um, but he's staring at the map this time. And then it cuts to the police who are kind of getting the whole station up, and they're rushing out of the office. So we know that, like, you know, Gwen's doing her thing. The grabber's out doing his thing. Max is here. The police are here. We know it's about to just, like, collide with one another. Um, but Max, this is where it kind of starts. He's slowly realizing that his brother's house is right in the area that he suspected the grabber to be living. So he goes to the basement door, kind of hesitant, not wanting to believe it. Mm-hmm. He walks away, but then he goes in and he opens it. And then we see Finn is down there in the basement and the, and the like, lights oh, start to go. Fuck. The black phone starts to kind of pulsate to let him know that so-and-so is coming. So he picks up the, the phone and puts his little... Uh, rocket light thing up there because it's letting him know that somebody's coming down the stairs. Um, but yeah, so he opens the door and then there's Max. He was like, no fucking way. way. He's like, I knew he was hiding something down here, but I didn't think it was this. Like, yeah. oh man, that's so weird, man. And then... Um, you're okay, you're okay he's like, you're, okay. you're good. Do you want me to tell you how I found you? And he's like, no, 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 like stop. And then he's like, he's gonna hear, he's like, no, don't worry, man. My brother's at work. He's gone. Let me tell you. And then he like, and then it goes to Finn going like, no, 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 no. And then the you opens. see Ethan Hawke coming down the stairs and just scene. fucking slams him in the top of the head with a yeah. with an axe. And this is another one that's pulled directly from the short story. Like this yeah. is exactly how it happens in the short story. Yeah. So the grabber is super upset now. Um, you know, he's you know blaming this on Finn. Like you right. made me you kill, made my, kill brother. my brother. He was an idiot, but he was my idiot. Um, so and then he's just there. So then the police show up to the house and Gwen's um, had met them there. She's sure that this is the house from her dream. She's never seen this house before. So they start to knock on the door. We go back to the grabber, and he tells him that normally he would use a knife, but he's special. So he's going to take his time. He wants him to feel the pain. Um, he tells him to put the phone down. It doesn't work. Finn's still holding onto the phone that he had packed. Um, the grabber then calls Samson down the stairs. This is this big, intimidating dog. Yeah, animated dog. Looks like a, like a mastiff of some yeah. sorts. But he ties him up to the corner to like a little chain collar. Um, we cut back to the police who are starting to raid the house and there's nothing there. It's an empty house. It's clean. Nobody's there. Now we're down to the grabber who takes the axe in hand and swings at Finn. But Finn, at the last minute, you said home alone um, yes, yes, ducks, <laughs> ducks the axe, runs to the corner and like hops over the, 
the um the the, the hole he had been digging. Um, pulling the cable out from the wall. Yeah, so he he goes there, jumps over the hole, and then as the the grabber runs by, he pulls the cable straight, so it trips the grabber. The grabber falls forward into the hole that he had been dug digging, that has the grate down there now at yeah. an angle. So the grabber hits it, snaps his ankles, yeah. and now he's stuck in there. So now we're seeing uh. that line of Robin saying, "Use what we gave you." Yep. So we're starting to see that all the little things that. You, we thought were attempts to get out were actually building tools to, the, to, to, to take them down. Um, at this point, Finn starts, you know, doing the take the two steps back and swing, two yep. steps back and swing. So he's just beating the shit out of the guy, uh, the grabber, and he eventually breaks his mask off. And that's when the grabber's like, oh, freaks out. I guess he doesn't want him to see his face. But at this point, like, he's just getting smoked by this 14 year old kid <laughs> with a phone. So I don't think that would have been my first reaction yeah, be like upset about the mask. Um, <laughs> So Finn at this point jumps over, taking the cord, putting it around Ethan Hawke's neck and putting it behind his back and like really strangling him. Um, and then the phone rings. And that's the part where we talked about earlier where it looks as if the grabber realizes the phone's ringing. Right. So he does hear the phone ring and he knows now that Finn hears it because he says that this is for you. He holds the phone up to the grabber's ear and this is all the parts of dialogue that didn't seem to fit in the help the advice that the kids were giving right. but they were actually messages for the grabber like it was uh bruce saying finn's arm is mint or like yeah. today's the day motherfucker and it's just like these little bits that were you know there's not said. much time now it's these little bits of dialogue that were in the advice that were didn't fit but now you're like gotcha yeah. makes sense it all comes together so he finally snaps the grabber's neck pulls him back um and, and we're, we're kind of just left there. Um, we cut back to the police who are now in the house. They're about to leave, but then they find a hidden basement door and they go down and that's where they find all the burial plots for all the missing kids. They right. say, he must kill him somewhere. These must be the bodies, whatever. Um, Finn now just has to get through the little the dog who's just staring at him, barking at him. He goes into the freezer, takes yeah. out one of the raw steaks, throws Grabs it the to the dog, distracts the dog, walks up the stairs, um, and at this point is is kind of home scot free as he's as he opens the door, the police are still coming out of the other house, but he sees Gwen sitting there. They hug each other, they embrace, and that's kind of the end. We we do get a little bit of conclusion at the end of like a news uh, crew saying that you know the madness in this town is over. They had found that the grabber had actually owned two properties, one across, across the street. The street. So the address that she had been seeing was where the kids were, not where Finn was being held. Maybe she has that, like we said, that connection to the dead. She can't to connect to anybody so in the dead in the, the other room. house. Well, that's where he was burying the bodies. Yeah. So that's who, who she was connecting with. So yeah. whew, that was the black phone. What'd you think about that one? It's a good movie. Um, I I mean, like I said, the last time we talked about it, I it wasn't anything that, you know, it wasn't like mind-blowingly like game-changing. Super original, um, yeah. But it was it was a good movie. I liked it. It was faithful to the to the short story in a way, but it also did its own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like we said, they had to t- they had to find a way to take a twenty page short story and stretch it out to fit a feature length movie. Yeah, and I think they they did a good they did a good job doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it wasn't blatantly obvious that it felt like there was filler. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't I don't think anything in this movie was filler. I felt no. like it, it all kind of works it together. It fits. Hour forty is quick nowadays for movies. Oh you see, yeah, well considering so. they release Marvel movies that are two, two and, and a half, half hours, three hours. So yeah, it, I mean an hour and forty is chump change compared mm-hmm. to what comes out of Hollywood now. Um, but I think it I think it worked. I think it was it was interesting. It wasn't 
Um, like I said, it wasn't a it wasn't a horror movie specifically, but it was just like more of a thriller with horror elements. Yep. But they all worked, and like I said, all the jump scares worked for the most part. I mean, in the sense that like you don't expect them. Um, obviously, if you're someone like me, jump scares don't really make you jump as much as you think they they would. But if they catch you off guard, that's what they're designed to do. So that's they they did pretty good with with those in this one. I have really no complaints about that. And the only thing that I think the only thing that I didn't like, like I said, was was the characters of the actual dead kids showing up in the room. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, I, and I get why they did it. I just for me, I just I, I prefer could have done without it. Just I, being the voice through the yeah, phone. Yeah, I prefer just the voices, but that's just me. Um. Some stuff I didn't point out, I don't think, was uh, the masks were designed by Tom oh, Savini. Yep. Um, so that was really cool. Um, the black and white film uh, that Finn was watching in the beginning was actually um, The Tingler from 1959. So if they didn't really hold up in that scare sequence, uh, that's why, because it was from the 50s. Um, so now, what do you think... How do you think this is going to translate? Like, what, are, what do you think we're going to see in a house from this movie? So this one it's tough I honestly think we're only going to get one room that is the actual room with the phone in it yeah I think we'll get like we'll get a scene that's like simulated outdoors with the van and the balloons um, I think for the most part the scare actors are all going to be Ethan Hawke scare actors obviously with the different I masks. think so yeah um, that's a fairly safe bet yeah, I'd say yeah but I think I think you'll probably get one room one scene in the room one scene of him sitting in the chair seemingly asleep um, yeah, like I said, outdoors with the van at some point. So there'll be a few things because it's mixed with with freaky. They don't have to do as much. It can be kind of like a best of from the movie. It's gonna right. be. It's not gonna be a cohesive story. I do hope there's a scene. I hope. I do hope that we get a scene with the van, and yeah. like a character of Ethan Hawke, like in the magician makeup, holding yeah. the yeah. the balloons. I, I I would hope that that would be the intro to the the yeah that portion of the house. Um, and then, yeah, as far as the other scenes, um, you know, maybe there's a, a Max character that does get whacked as, I guess, as yeah. a scare. Yeah, I don't, it comes out of might be a little bit tougher to do. Head. It might, like you said, just be, uh, Finn and the grabber. Maybe Finn's not even involved. Maybe they don't yeah, want to I portray it, it the, might, the children yeah, aspect it of it. Be might just be the grabber. Um, I, I do think we're going to be in the basement a little bit, um, but it does intrigue me a lot to see how they're going to, because when there's a house yeah. like this that I don't know exactly how they're going to translate. You know, I see the character, I see the the aesthetics, the balloon, the van, the yeah, stuff like that. It's tough to bring that into a full house. We haven't done our hype list yet. I will probably <clears> tell you that, like, as of right now, it's not going to be super high on my hype list, only because I think they're good movies. I just struggle with how they're going to translate to a house. Yeah. Um, and I and again, I'm interested to see how they how they make that work. Um, but I think as of right now, I think my hype list is on it's pretty low, mm-hmm. just because I don't really know a whole lot about you know how the it's house gonna... itself yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are they going to do it? Is it going to be one movie and then the other movie? Are they going to mix them together in some way? Because um, it's only two movies, yeah, in, in a compilation house. So, um, but yeah, I, I'm interested to see how they how they make it work. Yeah, because there's not there really isn't a whole lot in this movie. As far as set pieces are concerned, now I mean we are in the basement for the most part. Yeah, and that's where it's going to take, take place, place in the basement. <clears throat> um, so that kind of wraps up that. So should we get to the big news that I was teasing at the beginning? Because this is kind of the end of our yeah. our spiel. Why don't we give our our ratings? Oh, we get a, duh! We I do forgot our about our fear beer ratings. Ah, 
forgot about that. So why don't you go first? Why don't you explain <laughs> the ring? Because I'm going to open my notes. So yeah, I can take so the these rankings, down. for those that don't remember, I mean, it's been a while since we've done the killer reviews. Um, we have a fear rating, which is how either, you know, Nick and myself or Kevin, we have Kevin on it, how we rank the frights and the spooks in the movie. Like, is it is it scary? Is it not scary? How scary is it? And then we do our beer ranking, which is like our general, just how much we liked the movie. Um, so for me, my fear rating, um, I'll give it a, I'll give it, yeah, I'll give it a three. Um, it's not like the scariest thing I've ever seen. Again, it's not it's not specifically a horror movie, but for a lot of generic <laughs> horror movies, this was actually scarier than a lot of those ones. Yeah. Um, only in the sense that, like, I think Ethan Hawke's character is really, 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 really creepy. I think he does a great job giving off Stranger Danger vibes. Yeah. Um, it's not very mysterious for a thriller, but it's not supposed to be. I think it's supposed to be pretty straightforward. Uh, and you're supposed to kind of see how these characters react to the situation that they're in. Um, but I thought that it was relatively scary. I think the jump scares, I said, again, are, you know, they all worked. I think they all um, did what they were supposed to do. I think the only jump scare I wasn't crazy about was the dripping kid. Other than yep. that, the other ones were great. Um, so if you're someone that gets spooked by those easily, this is going to work for you. Um, but yeah, I'll give it a three. Maybe it's a little mm -hmm. high. I don't mm -hmm. know. But that's just where i'm going yeah for my fear rating i'm gonna give it a 2.5 okay, so um we're, we're right around the same ballpark there was a couple jump scares that was really really it this is not like a super scary movie definitely you know they they call it thriller horror it's definitely much more thriller than horror um but yeah and then i'll kick off my beer rating um i gave it a 3.5 i do enjoy this movie it's not something i like super love it's kind of just above the middle for me um but it's good. It was, you know, it, the the simplicity of it worked for me. It doesn't need to be something that was drowned out with nonsense right. or expounded upon. You know, it's a it's a simple story of this kid being kidnapped. These various dead kids before him helped him out, and then at the end, it all makes sense as to the different tasks he was kind of put at hand to do. Yeah, and I think I'm kind of right along the same lines as you. I'm giving it a three for my beer rating. Um, not the best Blumhouse movie. I think there's other Blumhouse movies that are better, more original, more unique. Um, but I'm, I am letting my opinion of Joe Hill as an author color my opinion a little bit. So that's that's on me. I think that um, the short story was better in the sense that it was really, really sh it was short. It was simple, to the point. They didn't dwell on he didn't dwell on too much in it other than what was going on. I do think that this movie does, in a way, in certain aspects, do give you more than they, they should have. Again, I, to reiterate what I said earlier, I think that dwelling too much on Gwen's powers, I think, was a little bit of a detriment to the movie. I don't think it hurt it considerably, but like enough that like, I wasn't going to give this movie a four or a five. I think yeah. a three, right in the middle, solid, good movie, worth worth a watch, worth worth a movie ticket. Um Maybe maybe never pick it up again and, and watch it again. Like mm -hmm. I don't know if I'll ever watch this again. To be honest, after watching it four times in a row, I mean yes, I'm sure I'll get it four times. But I, yeah. I've only watched it once. Yeah, I watched it in theaters. I watched it the other night, and then I watched it again today. And I feel like watching it up here and reviewing it yeah. again is almost like watching it a, a fourth time. Yeah, it's one of those movies that like it's good. I probably won't go back to it um, just because. I, I just I just think it, it was good for what it, it's good for what it is. It's a good movie, um, just not one that like. You know, has to, has to I have to make a routine of yeah. I, might, I don't I don't watch a lot of movies over and over again unless they are like super top tier. Like love these movies, can't get this movie enough of this movie, that type of thing. So mm -hmm. 
Well, that wraps up. So let's get into this big announcement. Oh, so. And we're only going to give you a couple little breadcrumbs of this one. So if you're like us, you are excited. HHN is coming. It's an understatement. Let's start out with a little bit of bad news. Oh, boy. So there's two weeks ahead of us where we are only going to release another episode. Depending on when that next Horror Nights announcement comes is when that's what dictates when our our episode will be. Yeah. So if the announcement doesn't come next week, we won't see you next week. We'll see you the following week. And that is because we are trying to save up all of our ideas. But starting on, let's make sure I get my dates right. Uh, da, 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 da. Starting on Friday, August 26th, which is one week away from HHN, we are going to be putting out an episode every single day until September 2nd. Boy. So we're going to have an episode every day for that week leading up to HHN. So all you fucking nutbags like us have something to listen to. Because I know if you're anything like us, you're going to be counting down the days, the hours, the minutes, the seconds till you can get in. Watching and listening to anything you can find just to get yourself hyped up. So we got a lot of podcasts in the head of us. Now, these episodes, I will say, some may be shorter than others. Some may be longer because these are fairly... These essentially would have been all different topics of a full-length episode full two two and a half hour episode so we're combined we're gonna branch these off and we're going to expand on them a little bit so some episodes might be 30 minutes some might be 40 minutes some might be a little bit longer but we have a little list going it's it's very up in the air right now but we're, we're trying to nail it all down that we have enough um enough stuff to put out for you an episode every single day friday through friday leading up to that event so I think that's pretty cool. We give you all something to listen to. Yeah. Um, I'm excited. We got some cool topics to discuss. Uh, we got some cool little pl- uh, plans in place. Um, yeah, and I hope you uh, hope you all enjoyed because we're. I know the next couple of weeks are going to be a little bit crazy for us doing all this. Uh, a lot of a lot of editing to be done and a lot of pre-publishing, oh. but I'm excited. You, you do all the editing. <laughs> I, I, will, I won't lie to you. Like I'm, I'm a lazy. I just show up and I talk in a microphone. You're the one who does all the That's all, the all right. We'll get our topics in line. We'll get everything placed up. But yeah, so if we get announcement next week, which I kind of think it's going to be next week, we'll be back on the air next week for you. Yeah, if we don't get an announcement cool. next week, we're going to hold off and we're going to wait. Obviously, this is all contingent upon them actually announcing something so because they haven't dropped anything yet about any of the additional so we just have the four houses that's it weekend and the other three ips so So i'm hoping that obviously being a week out from the event on that friday i'm hoping by that point we definitely have something to go off of because we're gonna need that information or else this plan kind of goes out the uh goes out the shoot or we'll just go off the speculation we'll just find something else to talk about we'll just base off we'll base the speculation yeah um But yeah, so we'll be back. We're going to do some cool stuff. But until next time, this is Nick. And this is Ethan Hawk. (laughs) Happy haunts. You fucking fart knockers. just like to thank vampire stepdad for letting us use his music for our intro and outro music so if you would just go check him out spotify facebook again that is vampire stepdad